Hello, and welcome to our latest data protection podcast. My name is Rebecca, and I'm a trainee solicitor in the data protection team here at Clark's Legal. I'm joined on this podcast today by my colleague, Lucy, a solicitor, who is also part of the data protection team. Hi there, Lucy. Hi, everyone. So the aim of today's podcast is really to get to grips with and discuss the most recent update issued by the ICO, which concerns data subject access requests, also known to us as SARS or DSARS. Now, just a quick point to note here, we've already discussed DSARS quite a bit on our previous data protection podcast. So for those of you that are wondering what a DSAR is and how one is made, I recommend giving our previous podcast a listen. It's called Data Subject Access Requests, Advice for Employers. Okay, back to the ICO's recent employer guidance. Lucy, could you just kick off the podcast today by explaining what the ICO is and how it plays a part in this? Yeah, of course, Rebecca. So the Information Commissioner's Office, also known as the ICO, is the UK's Data Protection Authority. It is an organisation that acts effectively as a UK watchdog for protecting public interests and is responsible for ensuring that companies reach regulation standards, one of those being the protection of an individual's personal data. Thank you for that, Lucy. And from my understanding, the ICO issued this recent update in May 2023, which included new guidance for employers, specifically in relation to SARS. Yes, that's right. This new guidance is produced for employers in the format of a question and answer, and gives an employer an idea on what to do in certain situations if an employee requests a DSAR. Okay, great. And so, as part of this podcast today, Lucy and I are going to summarise some of the key takeaways from that Q&A. Firstly, I found it really interesting to read that as part of the new ICO guidance, a settlement or non-disclosure agreement cannot override a person's right to a copy of their personal data. The ICO also went on to say that any part of an agreement that attempts to waive an employee's right to DSAR is likely to be unenforceable. Yes, and that part is really interesting, actually. So it's common practice for a settlement agreement to include a clause that waives any current DSARs that the employee may have against the company and any future DSARs that they may bring. This guidance is therefore very impactful as it overturns this standard practice. It's important to note that the agreement as a whole would still stand and it would only be the element of the agreement that sought to waive the employee's right, which would be unenforceable. Okay, that makes sense. So what are the other key takeaways that you found in the guidance, Lucy? What grabbed my attention was the fact that if an employer uses social media platforms specifically for business purposes and is asked by an employee to conduct a DSAR, the employer must now look for personal data across all those social media platforms. Oh, I saw that. And is this because the employer will effectively be the controller of the information processed on these social media platforms? That's right. The ICO made it clear that this applies to platforms such as Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter, and any other channels like Microsoft Teams, if those channels are being used for business purposes. I can imagine that covers quite a lot of avenues then. It does, especially if that employer has a strong social media presence. The ICO also said that employers should consider social media posts that are sent to them by third parties as potentially being under the scope of DSAR. For example, a worker might send a copy of a post made by a co-worker that criticises their manager in a WhatsApp group. 
that copy of that WhatsApp group would fall under the scope of the DSAR, hence it should be disclosed. I see. Thanks for that, Lucy. So if we now move on to the next key point in the guidance, I noticed that if an employee sends emails from their personal email address, say whilst they are using a work device such as a laptop or phone, then these emails are likely to contain information intended for personal or domestic use only, and therefore, on that basis, the emails would be excluded from the DSAR. Yes, exactly. Uh, because in this scenario, the employer would not be the controller of the information. And because the employer is not the controller, there is no requirement for the employer to share this data as part of the DSAR. I see. And I guess this feeds into the fact that every company should have specific policies which restrict personal use of work equipment. I agree. For instance, an organisation should have policies which govern how the employees use work equipment and that they should only use it for work-related matters. Any non-work-related personal information on those devices would not be necessary to disclose as part of the DSAR. Okay, great. Lastly, I just want to talk about the scenario where the data processed is unrelated to the data subject, i.e. the employee who is making the DSAR. Here, the ICO suggests that data subjects are only entitled to personal data which relates to them. But what if this information is contained in emails that also discuss, for example, business matters? So in this scenario, this could include, for instance, an email that the employee is copied into and the content of the emails discussing work? Yes, that's right. From what I understand, just because the content of the email is about a business matter, it doesn't necessarily mean that the information contained in that email is not personal information. And the ICO gives guidance on this point. It states that an employer must carry out an exercise to determine whether some or all of that data in the email must be disclosed in order to comply with the DSAR. And if an email contains personal information of the subject as well as a third party information or information covered by legal privilege, then the employer must carry out a redaction of that data to ensure that only relevant data is disclosed. Thank you so much for that, Lucy. You can see how important it is for employers to keep up to date on the ICO guidance as it's unlikely to be so black and white when it comes to responding to these DSARs. So that brings us to the end of the key takeaways from the new guidance issued by the ICO. Thank you for listening to Clark's Legal Law Bites podcast from the data protection team. If you have any questions on the topics discussed today or about data protection or DSARs generally, please contact a member of our data protection team who will be very happy to assist you. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.